Hey, it's the Friendly Fire Show, episode 152. We're recording this on the 13th of May, 2020. I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve from Survivor, and with me, of course... is Ben from Survivor, as usual. It's only been us for a while now. I know. Should we get guests, or is this like a good thing that we shouldn't wreck? Uh, well, you know, it's kind of like the isolation days. I don't know how we'd do with the guests. I had, you know, we speak to each other. You go beyond that, it's a bit weird these days. Oh, Ben, I'll tell you what. Yeah. So... After four years of NBN hassles, and I know I'm not the only person with NBN hassles, of course, uh, I have my third appointment with the NBN to uh, install my like outside NBN box thing or whatever. Um, but this time, apparently, it's going to work. So then a week from Friday, so next Friday, I'll have... HFC NBN in my house. So we could almost turn on the video next That's time. That's amazing. If I knew how to do the clap sound effect, I would play that right now that every radio station uses because that is what we need right here. Finally, that's an ordeal. I could I, edit that in, but I'm not going to. And also, <laughs> no, like, know. it hasn't happened yet, so we don't know if it actually is going to happen. We'll but if I have Everyone NBN proper, wow. Well, yeah. If we have NBN proper, I could turn on, like, video and we could do, like, a, a, a YouTube stream at yeah. the same time we do our amazing maybe fortnightly podcast that we said we were going to do and maybe have not quite kept up with. No, oh, we have. That's it. It's a fortnightly podcast. So that's it. <laughs> Put it on the box. Fair enough. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, it was good. And I forget. It's been a long day. Um, how, how, of course, the first thing we have to ask in this period of self-isolation are, uh, are you doing in this COVID-19 riddled world? I'm doing okay. You know, Pushing along, I'm going to have some people over for the first time in months this weekend with the small restriction lift. Uh, we're going to have 10 people in South Australia. I think you guys have five in Victoria. Five indoors, yeah. Yeah, that's how many people total. I don't think I know 10 people I want to have over anymore. It's those days that are behind me, but maybe I could have three people over. And it's going to be weird to see people in real life. So, well, and the weird, like, so we're doing the same thing on Sunday. We're going to have uh, three people over, but like, I'm dead set against doing the right thing so we're gonna have people over but that we're all gonna be spaced out and we're not gonna like mm. hug each other to say hello and stuff and that's gonna be weird like being around people but not really being around people if that makes sense um but i'm also just terrified that as a as a nation australia is gonna completely stuff this up and we're gonna see this giant spike in cases and we're going to go like way into restrictions again in like a week's time or two weeks time or three weeks time or something. I'm not great at uh, epidemiology or anything like that, but I just, I'm very concerned about what's to come. Well, I'm the opposite. I'm uh, hopefully optimistic in that we only have one active case in South Australia left. One that's known, of course, I'm sure there are others, but seems to me that it's going to be tough for that to really explode again unless with all the borders still closed. So unless there's a big, massive pocket already that we don't know about, I'm hopeful it'll be Yeah, okay. they're in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the AFL can't resume because of those filthy Victorians with their meat, they're at meat processing plants. factory. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. I think, yeah, this... I, I think that's the right thing. We need to get back to some level of you can see your friends again. It's been a while. We can't just wait until the vaccine comes out. I think we have an okay situation. We're not like the US or the UK. So, and yeah, I think most people will be like what you just said. In my experience as the older people, it's my 90-year-old grandpa who's like, I don't care if I get it. I'm going to die anyway one day. It's not the younger people. <laughs> they're, they're like you. They're saying, let's do it properly. Come over, but we'll stay distance. We won't share anything. 
my concern is what do we do if we're going to play a game or something, or we're going to play cards, can we share those around or do we have to sanitize every time there's a new hand? Like, is that getting too serious? I think you do like Jackbox or something instead where you all just hold your own phones. Yeah, that's a good point. Something like that. No shared um, snacks. Exactly. And this is a video game podcast, not a, a health update. So let's get off COVID pretty quickly and, and on to real things. We're going to aim for an actual regular schedule. Uh, you and I have decided and then we're going to try to keep it to like about a half an hour. So we'll see how we go. Um, I think, I think this week, uh, the, the big news item that we should talk about is um, the first live stream by Xbox in a scheme called Xbox 2020, like 2020 vision in hindsight or whatever. I don't know. There's yeah. something there that I forgot. It, it was still called Inside Xbox. So I thought it was a new branding because it was a new format, but not really. Well, and it's Xbox Inside Xbox as part of Xbox 2020 as part of the Summer Game Fest. So yeah. I, I'm confused myself. Uh, what we were told the event was going to be was a showcase of uh, gameplay from Xbox third-party partners. Uh, and we knew before the event that we'd see some gameplay from Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla. Um, we got a whole bunch of games. Um, if there's ones that you want to talk about, let's do that after. But I guess I'll just list them and kind of give a really short description. Um, there was Valhalla, which we already knew about from Ubisoft. There was Bright Memory Infinite, which had already been released as a... or announced at least as a PC game. You can get a demo on Steam. Uh, there's Call of the Sea, which I believe was new. There's Chorus from Deep Silver, which I think was new. Uh, Dirt 5, which obviously new, but it's from Codemasters. It's part of a long-running franchise. Uh, Madden NFL 21, same thing. Uh, Bandai Namco's Scarlet Nexus. Scorn, which is uh, an HR uh Giger, Geiger uh, inspired uh, horror title that was announced like in 2016 or 2017 uh, for PC. It's coming to Xbox as well. It looks terrifying and also gross. Uh, Second Extinction, which is the first title from Systemic Reaction, which is a uh, studio under the Avalanche Studios group or Avalanche Studios, the Just Cause people, uh, Generation Zero people. There is Curve Digital's The Ascent, uh, Bloober Teams, The Medium, they did uh, Layers of Fear, Blair Witch Observer, uh, and f- oh, two more actually, sorry, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines 2 um, from Paradox, which was previously announced, and the uh, next game in the Yakuza franchise, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Were there anything that, any titles that kind of caught your eye in that list? Uh, well, I think I went in knowing that this was going to be the B-grade not in a bad way, but just they weren't bringing out the real AAA games here. We had, you know, your Madden, your Dirt, the, the established franchises. Then we had a few kind of indie games in there. I think Call of the Sea looked really cool, um, but we didn't really see a lot of gameplay. We didn't really see any gameplay, which we'll get to in a second. But mm. uh, the very first game I've forgotten the name of, uh, which was made by one person. I think that's why that's kind of noteworthy in that. Bright Memory Infinite. That's it. It looked very um, Rise Son of Rome in that it's probably a cool looking game that's very launch title to play. But the fact that one person can make a game like that now, that's actually a pretty big deal. Like what we could get from indie games next generation because often oh, yeah. 
they're the more interesting games. They try experimental stuff. They do different stuff. So if you can get things which look that good and then have kind of more interesting, diverse gameplay, there's something there, I think. And I reckon that one was still pretty cinematic in the, in the way that the trailer was presented. But like it, it showed a lot of what you'll theoretically be doing, even though there wasn't like a HUD on screen. So you can't say like, oh, that's exactly what the experience is going to be like. Yeah. But it was like a shooter. And he had like a, like a bullet storm kind of like lash or like you know what i'm trying to say like a an energy whip that he could pull people towards him and, and shoot around then he got in a car and was driving around like it looks like it's pretty ambitious there's a lot going um, on yeah yeah so I, I thought that was pretty cool i liked scorn um but i've we've seen scorn before it was announced for pc um it looks like it's it's alien or aliens that whole kind of aesthetic with like the alien and the opens its mouth and the tongue kind of comes out and there's like a smaller alien thing in there. Like it's that kind of, it's a gross out kind of aesthetic. Um, It's, it's meant to be this kind of um, exploration puzzler kind of thing where there's these hub areas and they all have different themes and stuff. But I don't know if you could get that from the trailer. It just kind of looked like we're here to make you want to vomit. There there wasn't a lot of gameplay in it, but it, it still piqued my attention. Or piked, peaked, piked my attention. I'm so tired. I'm not making words anymore. Yeah. But Anything else that kind of caught your much, eye? Um, really, maybe the vampire game I'd heard of briefly, uh, but I think the way they marketed it was really cool. So I was, I've played maybe one of them was on Game Pass once. I forget which one. I presume the game before this one. Mm. Maybe it was unrelated. I can't remember. Um, wasn't really interested, but the way they marketed it, I kind of thought that looks pretty cool. So I'm now more interested in that than I was previously. But that's about it. The others kind of look too similar to me. They seemed kind of very much a similar theme of that darkish horror cinematic trailer. So, Yeah. Well, and like Madden, it was supposed yeah. to be gameplay trailers. And Madden was more like, here's a montage of all the Maddens that came before this. Like, like not that you really need to see gameplay, play, gameplay from a Madden game. Like, you pretty much know what it's going to be and look like and, and play like. But um, it was it was weird. Um, the, the conference gave us... Um, a definite indication of the titles that would support smart delivery, which is, I guess the next gen uh, moniker for Xbox play anywhere, which makes more sense to me. Xbox play anywhere means you buy a game, you can play it anywhere. It's available on that Xbox ecosystem. Smart delivery is the same thing. It really just means if you buy any of the supported games on Xbox one, you'll be able to uh, play it on Xbox series X without any additional cost. There's cross save cross progression, all of those bells and whistles um, and a number of games support it, including uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, Call of the Sea, which is one that you were talking about does Dirt five uh, Madden NFL does. Um, and it's part of no, some of the game. It games. doesn't officially. So Madden's a really interesting <laughs> one in that it actually didn't have that come up. The smart delivery thing. Yeah. If I recall in the press release, they said um, upgrade for free to the next-gen version before March 31, 2021 or something like that. So uh. Madden is, you know, everyone said, oh, EA's doing it. I even tweeted this saying EA's doing smart delivery. So now everyone has to do it because you look like a real jerk if EA does it and you don't. Uh, <laughs> and as it turns out, EA is still the jerk because they've said, if you buy this game, I think it comes out in July or something like that. If you yeah. buy it within like 10 months, Actually, no, I think you have to buy it before the end of this year and then you have to redeem it before March next year. You can get a Xbox Series X version of it for free. So it's not smart delivery. EA is doing their own thing, but it is it is smart delivery. It's just not officially. And if you buy this game down the track, you won't be able to 
go back to Xbox One because EA is being difficult. So that's their thing. Tricky, tricky EA. And they did, EA did announce that they'll do something like smart delivery, which theoretically would also work between PS4 and PS5. But yeah, like yeah. they... So that's oh, this. The, the details timed. were not plentiful. EA's is all going to be timed. You have to buy within a certain window and redeem in that window. So they just... I think what they're trying to stop probably is in like two years' time, you could buy a pre-owned copy of a smart delivery game on Xbox One, get the more expensive Xbox Series X version and not have to pay any more money. EA's yeah. probably thinking, I don't want that to happen. But I'd, I'd assume that for disc-based games, like if you go to EB Games and pick up um, like even Halo Infinite on Xbox One, it's not like you get the digital license. You'd have to keep the disc and put the yep. disc in your Xbox Series X for it Correct. to work. So yeah, there's all that kind of stuff. Um, anything else you want to talk about the presentation before we get into some of the feedback from people about it? Um, before we go to the feedback on people, I think the format was really good. So Xbox have been pretty bad, I have to say, in previous Inside Xboxes. They've, I think we've talked about it a couple of episodes ago. They're always really awkward. They have too much chat between each other, but they have nothing to say. And we just find like, (laughs) you know, we got to the point where we said that Nintendo Direct is a much better format because they're quick with games and they just have personalities very briefly to say something or apologize or whatever they need to do between. (laughs) But yeah, Inside Xbox was just not great. And I'm sure all those, you know, community people that Xbox have are great at what they do outside of this. Just the awkward, let's talk about gummy bears and pizza really doesn't do it for me. So yeah. This very brief, you know, here's the head of a department just saying something quickly and then game, 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 game is a much better format and I really hope they keep it. Oh yeah, it was way overproduced before and I like that this has kind of made them shed all the fat and just get into the the meat of things. Um, and that's a good segue because the real meat of things wasn't even hit, I guess, uh, in terms of, of what fans thought. Um Microsoft came out with uh, a social media campaign that said the stream would promote a first gen, sorry, a first look next, sorry, let me just try that again. It would showcase, there we go, first look next gen gameplay from third party partners. Um, and I, I think the overall sentiment was that most of the trailers were, were very cinematic and looked um, staged and not indicative of, of true gameplay. W- yeah. Would you agree with that? I would say there was 0% gameplay in the whole conference. So what I consider gameplay and what marketers at publishers consider gameplay are clearly different because they consider anything filmed in-game gameplay. I would say someone playing a very uh, strict demo on stage at E3, at least that is gameplay. They're playing the game, even though it's a very linear path, they know what they're doing. There's absolutely scripted what they're playing. You know, someone doesn't come on stage on E3 and play randomly they know what they're doing and it's a special code for that but at least they're playing the game so i, I need that level minimum to call it gameplay yeah uh, just some here's some footage that was shot in engine is not so um they should not have and i think they admitted it later they should not have called this a gameplay review because it was not oh yeah big time and like that, that was the thing the, the, the key word on every single trailer that you saw there, there was no hud on any of the screens so it was it's not like they just took a chunk of someone actually playing yeah, no one was playing rendered in engine shown in engine it's like oh, that's great like that the engine can do that like most cutscenes now from video games are rendered in engine you wouldn't call showing a cutscene really like gameplay so um, yeah. and it wasn't just microsoft that did it so uh it was ubisoft <sighs> Somewhere near the Norse 
region. It wasn't mm-hmm. Ubisoft Montreal who were the, the main developer on Valhalla, but an Ubisoft account said that this was going to be the first Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay, tra- gameplay trailer. And it was as cinematic as, as the teaser stuff that they showed yeah. a week before. This is not but new. Thankfully, no, it's this not. This goes back years ago. You know, probably six, seven years ago, trailers would come out saying here's a gameplay reveal and there was no gameplay in it. And people always accepted it. Like no one said anything. They're only just now starting to say, hang on a second, this looks like a cutscene. So yeah, there's I'm not surprised they said this, and they're probably only taking it back now because of the backlash, but this has been cool gameplay for a long time. Yeah. Well, both uh Microsoft and Ubisoft, um, because they're kind of the 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 bigger players in all this, um responded to feedback. So uh, Aaron Greenberg, who's the general manager of Xbox Games Marketing, said, had we not show, had we not said anything and just shown uh, May inside Xbox like we did last month, I suspect reactions might have been different. Uh, he said, clearly we set some wrong expectations and that's on us. We appreciate the feedback and assure you we take it all in and learn as a team. Where um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla's creative director uh, also went to Twitter and said, you rightfully, rightfully expected to see more today, uh, apologized for it and said, be patient and kind. It'll be worth it because obviously Ubisoft has this giant campaign plan before the game's released at the end of the year. Hmm. So at least they acknowledged that they they done bad. I would say the other complaint was people saying this doesn't look very le- next gen. It looks very similar to a 4K Xbox One X game now. And the response to that is probably, one, it's the beginning of a generation. Go back to the beginning of this current generation and things aren't that amazing either. And the other one is we're not going to have that big leap in graphics that we've had previously. This is all going to be more kind of game experience. You know, the SSD is going to have much better loading. Ray tracing is going to be thrown around constantly is a big deal. We're going to have more stable frame rates, hopefully. Uh, So it's not going to necessarily come across in a cinematic trailer that it's any better. That's not where you're going to shine. It's going to be probably more of a generation where playing it at home on your TV is when you realize this looks better than what I've previously had. So it's probably a lot of time to showcase. The other thing is these publishers were all working towards, and especially developers, towards showing their first gameplay in June at E3. And that was before they were working from home with the pandemic. So bringing it forward to May, even without that distraction, would have been tough. So I really don't think they were ready. And that's probably why Xbox are showing their own stuff in July. They just weren't ready yet. Well, and I guess, so there's a whole bunch of things I want to kind of comment on. Like, like you just said, their first party stuff is in July. So you'd hope that they've learned from this most recent presentation and um, adapt accordingly for when they're showing us all of their first party stuff, including like things that we know about Halo Infinite. Um, There's probably going to be a Forza title in there. There's a rumor of Fable from Playground Games, Playground Studios, Playground Games. Um, probably see some Hellblade 2 stuff, of course, because that's been confirmed for launch. And I hope they kind of do the right thing by us and, and give a, a more, uh, like, a beefy, a weighty look at these titles rather than just hype trailers. Um, and the thing that I want to talk about before we go on is in terms of the the technological leap between platforms, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm kind of annoyed because I just bought this, like, ridiculously expensive computer and I bought, before all this, uh, a 4K uh, HDR monitor to be able to play my Xbox games and my PC games on to make it look really amazing. Um, the problem that I guess I have is that you, you can tell the difference between like 1080p and 4k obviously, but I think the thing that I like better for my games is a, a frame rate, a higher frame rate. Mm. And even though the Xbox series X can do 
120 frames per second. This fancy 4K monitor that I have only has a 60 frame refresh rate. So I've just gone out and spent more money <laughs> on a, a 1440p monitor that has 144 uh, frame refresh rate. So I'll be able to put it to 1440p. I don't know how to say that. In, 1440 uh, is what I'd say. 1440p. Thank you. That's how, that's how you should say it. Um, but it'll run at 120 frames. So for me, I'm old. I'm kind of slow. Like the, the frame rate refresh, I think, will be nicer than 4K and 60 frames. I think. Probably. I also, yeah. And you, I think they have said that you're going to be able to choose in some games. Do you want that 4K 60 or do you want 1080 and 120? Or in some cases, it's going to be 4K 30. So it really depends what the game is. Sometimes a stable 30 is still much better than a trying to hit, actually always, a stable 30 is better than trying to hit a 60 but not getting there consistently. And it looks really, that's what really annoys me. When something goes to 40, then it's up to 60. And that's what I really notice. And it's very off-putting. So stable all the way for me. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So it's, it's going to be a matter of um, what you choose, what you want. And I think actually on displays, having a good display, whether it's a good quality 4K TV or a monitor, makes a huge difference. So it's not just your hardware. If you're getting a new console, but you're plugging it into a you know 2008 HD TV, it's going to look trash. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like we're we're going to drop all these money on all this money on consoles, and people are like, oh, I, it's not looking like it's that much better than my Xbox One. It can. But it might not because you don't have a TV or a monitor that can actually support all of these things that you can take advantage of. So it's, it's weird, to, to put it lightly. Anyway, it's moving on. expensive time is what it's going to be if you're, if you're not already set up. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's all right. We're all just raking in money in this you know, COVID-19 fueled economy, right? I'm spending more money on alcohol. Uh, let's continue on. Ubisoft Forward is a... Th- this is like such a non-news news because I don't know what we can say about it. It's uh, Ubisoft Forward. It's an E3-style showcase. Uh, it's one of the latest kind of live stream offerings to replace E3 uh, by a major publisher. This is Ubisoft's. It's going to take place on the 13th of July, uh, and it's going to offer exclusive game news, reveals, and more, but they didn't give any further details beyond that i don't know why i really picked this out ben unless there's something you want to talk about in regards to it not really from watching at home it's going to be pretty much the same as e3 it's going to be a digital presentation where a bunch of games get announced hopefully you get to see some real gameplay based on what's just happened in inside xbox and yeah so it'll make a difference for us because we were going to be there in person and hopefully playing these games which won't be happening but for the average e3 um spectator E3 is a digital thing which happens and they watch it at home at 2am or they get the news the next morning. The convention is not really part of it for them. So I think Ubisoft has just recognized that and they're just going to continue in the way that they can and other publishers will probably follow. And I guess talking about how we like the uh, less produced inside Xboxes without the weird banter, um, I feel like if there was a publisher that was guilty of that during an E3 press conference. It's, it's definitely Ubisoft who Mm. bring like four people on the stage to play ghost recon wildlands or whatever. And they're like, Oh, nice uh, gun skin that you've just equipped there, Ben. That looks really cool. (laughs) It's like, no one would ever say that in real life. I think they were much better last year, but you're right. So probably five, six years ago, Sony were the worst at it. I'd basically do a business meeting, a guy in a suit talking stats for half an hour before they'd get to the games 
And then they were the first one to really recognize that that's not the time. And they have had great presentations since. Hmm. Xbox has gone halfway. They've kind of had a mix of people on stage, but they've gone more towards games. And Ubisoft have sat in the background and said, no, no, no. We need to have the just dancers out there. We need to have the awkward chat. And they just haven't, they were better last year, but they just haven't taken it away fully yet. If they bring back uh, Asia Tyler, that would just make yeah. my entire life. If they were smart, they would do that. I might just send an email to uh, That's true. Ubisoft PR because there's time. There's still time. They could do it. Well, you see, when everyone had the terrible people on stage constantly, Ubisoft were the best because they had her there. They had a real host kind of leading things with the awkward jokes kind of worked because of that. The other people had game developers who didn't know how to handle it. So then when people took them away, Ubisoft didn't really have a choice but to get rid of the host because you don't need one anymore. So I don't think she's coming back. But she was cool enough to be cool, but also like actually nerdy enough to know what she was talking about. Like, I I feel like she actually does play video games and was across it, not just like being paid to. Oh, yeah. She she suited the time. She was the perfect person for like 2014 E3 conference. Hashtag justice for Asia Tyler. Um, Last on our little list um, is that as part of the Summer Game Fest, not part of Xbox 2020 or part of the PlayStation State of Play or anything else, just part of Summer Game Fest, uh, Activision announced Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, which is a remastered bundle of the first two games in the franchise, obviously, coming to Xbox One, PS4, and Windows PC via the Epic Game Store uh, this September. This is pretty big news in that this is all people have talked about, including Tony Hawk himself. I mean, I don't follow him on Twitter, but I see his things retweeted quite often, him just saying, bring back Pro Skater 1, and it's happening. So I know people would talk about how great they were. It's one of those childhood games that people keep bringing up, saying, why don't they make these games anymore? Why don't they make them as good as they used to anymore? There were a bunch of real dodgy ones afterwards. And to their credit, Activision have said, let's do it. We've made a lot of money from Crash twice and Spyro and Call of Duty twice. So let's keep all the remasters going. And oddly enough, um, the team that did uh, the Crash remaster and probably helped on the Spyro remaster. I know that was mostly toys for Bob. Uh, Vicarious Visions is also handling Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. So mm. they're that's a long-standing... They're a remaster company for Activision, and they've done a good job every time. So that's why you go to them. I think importantly, I, I'm not sure if this is actually accurate. This is not a fact-based show, as you know, but I did see people say the original soundtrack will be there. And some I know of the original soundtrack will be some, there. Some. Uh, that's it. It's going to fail. That's the type well, that's... of game... People want their classic tunes to go with because that's part of it. It's like, you know, when when songs came out of games like Crazy Taxi and GTA 3, people went back to it and said those three songs I love that I associate with this game are not there and it's a game you play to the music. So it actually could hurt. But it's that's one of those hard things where like anytime you release a new game or even if you have an existing game, something like Alan Wake, um, you have to pay the licenses for the music and, you know, after a 10 year period of time or a 15 year period of time that all has to be revisited. I don't know, year on year or whatever the arrangements are. So sometimes you just can't relicense the music. So um, a a big uh, roster of original soundtrack songs are there for sure. But um, Activision Blizzard is being pretty um, cautious about what they're saying, which would lead me to believe that it's obviously not 100% of the original. It's no surprise. Songs change publishers and record companies. That's always going to be an issue. But it yeah. did look it looked really good. So I thought the small 
I guess we can't call it gameplay because it was very much in engine, but it, it looked good. Uh, so actually, I wasn't a big fan when they came out, but I think I'll play it. I think it's enough that it seems uh, Vicarious Vision's done a good job with the games I've remastered so far. I never really played the original Spyros, but I've enjoyed the one of those I played. So I think it's it's worth looking at. The, nice. the thing which no one seems to be commenting on, I don't know if you saw this anywhere, but I did not, is that Pro Skater 1 was remastered already last generation, and oh. it was terrible. So it's, this isn't actually a new idea. I think it's the first time they're going to do it right. But, yeah, no one's talking about that. I don't know if you played that, but it was horrible. Uh, I didn't. We reviewed it. So it's uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD. It wasn't by Vicarious Visions as far as I can tell, but don't quote me on that. I don't think so, yeah. Um, it's It was just... It was that kind of remaster where you just take the old game and chuck it in. It wasn't even that. It was, packaging. It, it was that, but it was they ruined the physics and the, the motion and how everything moves. So it was a much worse version of the mm. the original game. Robo hard, Moto. It's hard, to, it's hard to do for a PS1 game. Let's make a much worse version of it. But anyway, <laughs> they did that. So they've kind of just done the old, that didn't happen. Here's the real remaster. Yeah. Well, and if it's in the vein of like the Spyro remaster and or the Spyro remasters, I think there was multiple titles, and the Crash remasters. Hmm then good. Excellent. Hopefully it, you know, isn't offensive to people who uh, live, eat and breathe this game who are super excited about it. And it's expensive skateboard, including uh, collector's edition, which is now available for pre-order. Yeah. And slotted in that little gap where there's no games coming out for a long time. So I think I'll play it. I think a lot of other people will play it and this could be a, a good moneymaker, but no switch version, which is a little odd. Hmm. Well, between this and cyberpunk, which come out in September, I think I'm, going to go with cyberpunk if i'm being honest but uh that's just me Hmm. i think are we done we should be done that's pretty much it unless i'm going to end on a positive note because for the first time since it came out this month i finally made money on the turnip market big money today (laughs) i the sell price was up there at 450 bells which is not as high as you can get but it's pretty high i've had nowhere near that i've had never had over 150 since this game came out so i'm very excited i should have bought more turnips on sunday uh, I've heard you always sell over 400. That's the advice I've, I've yeah, received. This is the first time it's come up for me. So, Well, I've, you I've have to talk to daily. my husband, who apparently has an app that tells him where the best turnip prices are. Yeah, well, And then waits uh, in a queue online with people to turn up transact. I don't quite understand it. No, you see, I'm just selling in my own town, my own ecosystem. I know what's going on, and I'm getting terrible prices. So it's not working out for me. But I did see on that note a very disturbing tweet if you want to feel old in that i don't know if you played the original animal crossing on gamecube but I did one, not. Of, one of its features well that's the n64 game ported to gamecube so that's the quality of it uh but one of its cool features was it had a bunch of nes games in it so you could play donkey kong you could play like you get them and you play them in your house um and when this game came, when that came out those games were 18, 18 years old at the time so if the switch version of animal crossing had 18 year old games in it we'd be getting games like Metroid Prime and Mario Sunshine and like Halo, like that era would be just little freebies. And obviously that hasn't happened, but those games feel much newer to me than like the original Donkey Kong did in the GameCube era. So it just made me feel very old. I saw that yesterday and I thought, oh my, this has been, I'm old. Ben, as someone who's very much older than you, just (laughs) get used to that, buddy. It's going to, it only gets worse from here. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Well, thanks for that. I'll no, see you anytime. I'll see you in a fortnight.
as you get older, you just make other people feel worse about their age too. That's how it works. That's mm. how it's supposed to work. Well, um, now, how, now games are doing that to me too. Well, there you go. <laughs> how do we find you on the social internets? I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter and yourself. I am S right AU on things. And before we go, I never do this, but Ben, we're going to start encouraging people because we know how many people are listening. It's not a huge amount, but it's, it's a dedicated loyal base. Um, I would encourage if you like the show to go to Apple podcasts or Google podcasts and rate and review us because I looked at our Apple podcast rating ratings, Ben reviews. I should say we have two. We've been doing Mm. this since at least 2013 because the first was from 2013 and it was a negative review saying that all four hosts and uh, it's been a long time since we've had four hosts. uh, We're all gay. Wouldn't shut up about being gay. So uh, I would think that that uh, reviewer was maybe a little bit in the closet and and projecting. Otherwise I'm really sorry that I've projected my gayness onto uh, the three heterosexual hosts I had at the time. The other reviewer uh, was critiquing us for our or my thoughts i should say on uh death stranding so out of two reviews ben they're, they're not very uh glowing reviews so i've got two bad reviews only okay out of two yeah so I, I was thinking maybe we should uh ask people to uh to do us a solid and uh tell us what they think about us and hopefully it's positive if you want to say something negative i guess go for it but uh five star reviews and just say that we're shit whatever it's up to you uh, so whatever you think, I'm have book taken. You know, as long as it's <laughs> legitimate criticism. Yes, we will. We will take constructive criticism, theoretically. All right, I look forward to that, and I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>